Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. And you can find out more by, and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today. Our special guest is Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Look forward to our conversation about many of the things that are going on in Washington, D.C. and around the world. It is June the 28th, and on this day in 1914, Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria and his wife Sophie were shot to death by a Bosnian-Serb nationalist during an official visit to the Bosnian capital of Sarajevo, Uh, June the 28th, 1914, the killing sparked a chain of events that led to the outbreak of World War I by early August. Uh, June 28th, 1919, five years to the day after France Ferdinand's death, Germany and the Allied powers signed the Treaty of Versailles, officially marking the end of World War I. The Archduke uh, traveled to Sarajevo in June 1914 to inspect the Imperial Armed Forces in Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, annexed by Austria-Hungary in 1908, <clears throat> the annexation had angered Serbian nationalists who believed the territory should be part of Serbia. A group of no- young nationalists hatched a plot to kill the Archduke during his visit to Sarajevo, and after some missteps, 19-year-old Gavrilo Princept was able to shoot the royal couple at point-blank range while traveling in their official procession, killing both instantly. The assassination set off a rapid chain of events that Austria-Hungary immediately blamed the Serbian government for its attack. As large and powerful Russia supported Serbia, Austria asked for assurances that Germany would step in on its side against Russia and its allies, including France and possibly Great Britain. On July 28, Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia, and the fragile peace between Europe's great powers collapsed, beginning the devastating conflict now known as the First World War. <clears throat> after more than four years of bloodshed, the Great War ended on November the 11th, 1918, after Germany, the last of the Central Powers, surrendered to the Allies. At the peace conference in Paris in 1919, Allied leaders would state their desire to build a post-war world that was safe for future wars, from future wars, such as the enorm- uh, on such an enormous scale. The Versailles Treaty, signed on June 28, 1919, tragically failed to a- achieve this objective. U.S. President Woodrow Wilson's grand dream of an international peacekeeping organization faltered when put into practice at the League of Nations. Even worse, the harsh terms imposed on Germany, the war's biggest loser, led to the widespread resentment of the treaty and its authors in that country, a resentment that would culminate in the outbreak of the Second World War two decades later. So much for central planning and Woodrow Wilson on this day. Well, a veteran's uh, nursing home will be moved to a larger site at a county-owned Golden Gate Golf Course to allow outpatient programs. In addition, the county could get $10 million from the state budget next year to help cover construction building for uh, adding uh, outpatient services. The Collier County Commissioner Commission uh, unanimously agreed Tuesday to move the planned 120-bed veterans uh, nursing home to an 18-acre site that was originally planned for development by Big Shots as an entertainment complex. It looks like now Big Shots' project is off the table. Big Shots, by the way, is is kind of a a golfing-themed place to go and have entertainment as family entertainment. It's Sounds like it's a pretty neat deal, but uh, they've decided to not go through with that and develop a veteran's uh, nursing home. The new site for the VA nursing home is in the northeast corner of the 165-acre golf course at Golden Gate Parkway and Collier Boulevard, according to the county commissioner, Bert Saunders, who has been spearheading the project. Collier is a home to roughly 23,000 veterans, and the number is expected to increase as the overall population of Southwood, Florida increases as well. <clears throat> Sounds like a great project, and certainly appreciate the support uh, for veterans. 
A new NBC News survey shows nearly half of the respondents have a negative view of Vice President Harris. Well, she's just not likable, is she? The poll published on Monday showed 49% of respondents have a negative opinion of Harris, while 32% have a positive opinion of her. And she doesn't do anything. I mean, how, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how she could develop such a negative opinion uh, in, in the public's eye, but uh, that's exactly what's happened. The vice president amid a re-election season received a net negative rating of minus 17, the lowest such rating for a vice president in the history of the poll. Not so good. Well, she serves as kind of a Biden's insurance policy because nobody wants her to be president. And uh, so that's one of the reasons why I think they'd like to make sure that uh, at least uh, Biden stays in office for a while. Actually, he should be impeached. By the way, uh, Tucker on Twitter last night played. has had over 7 million views so far. It's 13 minutes long. And the title of it is kind of Wars for Democracy Always Become Wars on democracy, ironically enabling dictatorship. So interesting. Such a really interesting segment. I hope you'll uh, get a copy of it and and watch Tucker on Twitter. It's his seventh episode. Another Hunter Biden WhatsApp message was released by the GOP House Oversight Committee on Tuesday. In a WhatsApp exchange dated August the 3rd, 2017, Hunter Biden told CEFC Associate Gongwen Dong, The Bidens are the best to know (coughs) at doing exactly what the chairman wants from this partnership. I'm not kidding. He really said that. The uh, chairman is Jian Ming, a Chinese billionaire tied to the CCP intelligence gathering uh, agency. The next day, one of Hunter's uh, Shell's companies uh, received $100,000 for CEFC, a CCP-affiliated energy company. The latest Hunter Biden WhatsApp message comes just a week after the IRS whistleblower revealed Hunter was threatening a Chinese business associate to pay up or else. The IRS whistleblower, Gary Shapley, uh, revealed Hunter Biden demanded payment from the Chinese business associate over WhatsApp uh, message. Hunter Biden demanded payment and threatened Henry Zhao, a China's Communist Party official and director of Harvest Fund Management, Hunter Biden demanded payment and threatened Henry Zhao, a Chinese Communist Party official and director of Harvest Fund Management. Harvest Fund Management has previously invested in Hunter Biden's firm, BHR Partners, a private investment fund founded in 2013 that co-owned the Bank of China. The uh, July 2017 WhatsApp message Hunter Biden sent to Henry Zhao is as follows, according to the IRS whistleblower, I'm sitting here with my father and would like you like to understand what the communists made have not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand and now means tonight. And Z, if I can get a call or, or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting here next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret <clears throat> not following my directions. I'm sitting here waiting for... Uh, the call with my father. <clears throat> well, if that's not incriminating, I don't know what is. Uh, hopefully this information will <laughs> lead to justice. But uh, clearly, as uh, Biden said the other day with a bunch of uh, the folks from India, you know, I've, I've sent a lot of uh, secrets to other countries for payment. That's what he's done. A few weeks later, Hunter Biden received a $5 million wire from the Chinese firm. On August the 8th, 2017, $5 million was wired to a CEFC-affiliated investment vehicle, Northern International, to a bank account for Hudson West III, which spent the next year transferring $4,790,375 directly to Hunter Biden's firm, Oswego. Uh, uh, Representative Claudia Tenney, uh, said on Monday that the Congress had evidence Joe Biden was in the room with his son Biden when Hunter sent a threatening WhatsApp message on July the 30th. So uh, more evidence. As, uh, again, uh, the vice is closing in on the Biden crime family. And by the way, in an interview with uh, Newsmax, Representative James Comer a chair of the House Oversight Committee, announced that he possesses additional evidence related to Hunter Biden, which is set to be disclosed to the public in the near future. This revelation follows the emergence 
of a whistleblower allegations against the Biden family that came up to light last week. During the interview, Comer highlighted recent denials made by Attorney General Merrick Garland regarding the allegations made by two whistleblowers from the IRS. These whistleblowers had claimed that the Department of Justice impeded the investigation into Hunter Biden's activities. That in and of itself is incriminating and should lead to Merrick Garland's impeachment as well. Well, the number of people who think the country is on the wrong track increased to 73%, more than half, 55% of registered Republicans consider themselves MAGA or America First Republicans which I think kind of explains the popularity of President uh, Donald Trump. The strong affinity among Republican voters towards former President Donald Trump's uh, key branding shows how strong a hold he has on the GOP electorate. 55%. That's uh, the majority of Republicans. Well, the two Anheuser-Busch marketing executives who are placed on leave amid the company's shakeup no longer work for the brand, a source inside Anheuser-Busch confirmed. Uh, Group Vice President for Marketing Daniel Blake and Bud Light Marketing Vice President Alisa Herenscheid are now gone, according to uh, text obtained with the current regional head of marketing. Uh, The caller is granting anonymity to the source to discuss legal fraud internal company policy. Bud Light has faced heavy criticism and lost its spot as America's top-selling beer in early June due to a boycott that after the transgender influencer Dylan Dylan Mulvaney showed off a personalized beer featuring his uh, face on the beer can. It's cost them 25% of their sales. The sales are down 25%. Not a good decision. I'm wondering, the person who hired these marketing executives in the first place. I wonder how their job is looking right now. <clears throat> well, a new investigation by Reuters has found that the, of the six living U.S. presidents, five are descendants of, from slaveholders. Guess which, which one is not? The only one who wasn't descended from a slaveholder was the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Jimmy Carter... George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and Joe Biden were found to have slaveholding ancestors. Obama's ancestors were enslaved, who enslaved others, or through his mother's side. Uh, The investigation uh, looked at uh, our leading lawmakers and found that many came from slaveholders, including the fake Native American grifter, Senator Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas. She also came from a slaveholder family as well. And finally, Republican presidential candidate Francis Suarez found himself admitting a lack of knowledge about the Uyghur ethnic group during a Tuesday morning radio interview. He said, what's a Uyghur? (laughs) A revealing moment occurred during Suarez's appearance on the Hugh Hewitt show, where host Hugh Hewitt asked the candidate, will you be talking about the Uyghurs in your campaign? The Uyghurs is a Turkic uh, ethnic group originating from the Middle East Asia, are recognized as natives to the... uh, to the uh, autonomous region in China and have been subjected to alleged human rights abuses by the Chinese Communist Party. Well, so Francis, you just got started, but I think your campaign is over. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lula Bee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Andrew Joppa. He's a professor and also an author of a terrific read, off topic for today's discussion, but it's called Josephus, Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Andy's a uh, frequent Wednesday, always constant Wednesday uh, morning guest, and we always start off with some good news. Andy, do you have some good news for well, us? Well, it's getting harder and harder, <laughs> but I'm going to find something to put into that category. <clears throat> Excuse me, Bob. Uh, first place, uh, Chris Christie, while making a presentation uh, recently, uh, was booed by the audience as he attacked Donald Trump. Yeah. Now, the only reason I find that important is because I... I think there's a, uh, a need to recognize pushback when it takes place in the American population. So I think when they're booing uh, Christie, uh, they're also uh, supporting Trump, but, but more so they're challenging a man that really has no right to be in the, in the primary process for president. Uh, as some, somebody who recently said uh, comedically is Chris Christie is the only candidate with his own moon, which is... Uh, it, if you think about it, one of the funniest remarks I've, I've heard recently. Yeah. Um, Walt Disney is also the company. Company is uh, paying an enormous price uh, for their woke movies. They've just recently, in this past year, lost over a nine hundred million dollars on its last eighty-eight studio releases. And and in the same manner, it, it shows a significant pushback or a rejection of what's happening in the American culture. And I think those things are always important. Because, as you know, I think culture is the essence of, uh, of the problem with, with America at this point. Uh, I'd also like to, to highlight as good news that uh, Ron DeSantis took some extremely strong stands as it pertains to the, uh, to the Mexican border, particularly as it pertains to the, uh, to the Mexican drug cartels. Uh, I think one of his remarks indicated that the, uh, as they try to bring the product into the United States, that the drug cartels could wind up stone-cold dead. Now, I'm not necessarily advocating that kind of, of, of violence be directed at them, but I think it's important to note that when people are bringing in drugs that are killing thousands of Americans, that you have the, the right, perhaps even the obligation, to resist in what may be a lethal manner. So I, I was glad to hear DeSantis, uh, DeSantis making that point, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I will say, 
Chris Christie, I, I personally believe that he's got money behind him with the sole purpose of trying to uh, disparage President Donald Trump. I think I, I think he knows he, he doesn't have the popularity or the influence in order to become president of the United States. He's simply being paid, I think, to uh, disparage the, uh, the former president of the United States. Well, whether he's paid or not, although that is a certainly a, a likely scenario, uh, I think there was a great animus uh, towards Trump from Christie. It's been displayed over the years. Uh, so, yeah, I, but everyone, when they booed him, I think they were recognizing uh, not only support of Trump, but the fact that Christie was only there, as you're pointing out, Bob, to attack, to attack Donald Trump. Uh, let me point out another piece of good news, which is, again, a cultural phenomenon that uh, I always like to highlight. Uh, get, uh, Representative Gates uh, gets Pride Month family-friendly drag show at the Nevada Air Force Base canceled. Now that was uh, supported by the by the Air Force, by the military, uh, to a certain extent at least. But again, when I see that kind of cancellation in terms of these drag shows, I, I think that is that is inherently good news, Bob. Absolutely. I also reflect on the thing you mentioned about uh, cancellation of Disney. Of course, uh, Trump uh, the uh, uh, Anheuser-Busch has now fired the two executives, promoted this uh, uh, Mulvaney's uh, likeness on the Bud Light can. So they, they've cost them 25% of their sales. I think the point that I want to make is this, is now the public is having an impact on this wokeness that's going on, and it has a se severe uh, consequence on the bottom line of these companies that want to go uh, woke. And I hope they're taking note because we've got uh, Disney, we've got uh, Target, we've got uh, uh, Anheuser-Busch. So many different companies have seen really tragic results to the bottom line as a result of their woke positions. There's no doubt that's correct. I spent <clears throat> most of my life, uh, other than as a faculty member, in marketing. And one of the major precepts of marketing is if your products or service is not significantly differentiated from the competition, then you are only selling your company's represent, uh, your, uh, rep uh, reputation and its name. Once that name, as with Budweiser Light, as with Target, uh, gets soured, then your product does not have enough significant differentiation to hold its marketplace. So I think that's what we're seeing here, uh, and I think marketers across the board have to take note of that. If your product is not significantly better, then your company name must be the thing you're selling. That's so true, uh, Andy. So uh, any more good news? Well, yeah, I mean, I uh, we're going to be meeting again next Wednesday, as we always do, but uh, Independence Day will take place before then. Uh, so let me take this opportunity to wish you and uh, your audience uh, a happy Independence Day. I, I think it's uh, a date of significant importance and growing importance, 250, 247 years. And I, I think that's important, certainly. Um, others right now currently in, the, in woke America are suggesting that uh, that Independence Day should replace, be replaced with, with Juneteenth. Now, Juneteenth has a significance, uh, significance for the African-American community, no doubt. But whether or not that date should replace uh, July 4th as the significant date for American independence is certainly not appropriate. But I would say, if there is going to be a change, I would like to make the point that I would choose September 17th. On September 17th, uh, 1787, the, the Constitution was ratified. When we gained independence in uh, 1776, there was no guarantee that we would be a free people even after that. We would be free from England, English domination, but there was no, uh, no guarantee that we would be a free people. It was September 17th of 1787 when the Constitution was ratified, that roughly, as best any document can ensure it, that ensured we were going to be independent legally from our own government, Bob. The longest standing uh, republic in the nation, constitutional republic in, in the uh, world, I should say. We have a lot to be proud for. And, and if you go back in the his history of, uh, from the revolutionary days up to today, there, it's been fraught with all kinds of attacks. I mean, you realize that the White House was burned down along with the Library of Congress. So many things and different attacks, and somehow we've survived all this. I think it has a lot to do with, as you pointed out in your open comments, about the culture of America. It's so unique and different from the rest of the world. Well, that's, that's why I am very concerned about the grotesque um, 
I, I'm going to describe them as sexual performances in public that have been taking place in America. I don't think any great nation has ever survived that kind of gratuitous public sexuality as we're experiencing currently in America. Right. Uh, to make a point, uh, let me make a point that I normally don't have the time to make on the show, but uh, I've always thought the Victorians, uh, Victorian England, had it correct uh, that nothing was allowed in public, everything was allowed behind closed doors in private. Now, America has significantly violated that. At this point, all of this grotesque sexuality that we're seeing is taking place in public, not only in the public forum, in public schools, and uh, in public settings. So what we're seeing is, I think, a, a characteristic of a culture that is always symptomatic of a nation in significant decline, ultimately leading to failure. So I think if we just take our, our cue from Victorian England, that the, that the uh, public environment, the public forum, should maintain its pristine normalcy and behind closed doors, again, I think conservatives have to learn this, behind closed doors, People can do what is ever legally allowed. Uh, certainly, you have to eliminate violence and, and crimes to children. But behind closed doors, they can do what they want. So uh, that's the, to me, Bob, that is the proper design, proper design for a culture as it pertains uh, to this issue of, of sexuality, Bob. Well, I want to addendum. I'll suggest that uh, right now, uh, the, these people who are uh, riding their bicycles on the nude during the gay pride parade, you know, that it was a not, that is an aberration in our society, and yet that's where the, all the clicks go. Before the news, we would have never paid attention to that. It would have never made the news back in Walter Cronkite's day. Today, that becomes the feature of the news, which is so unfortunate. Just, I think, uh, feeds into uh, the problem that you're citing. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. A, uh, it's, it has a historic reality to it. There's no doubt. Uh, what we're seeing that right now is not only a, uh, a larger focus on it, but I think an increased uh, expression. I think that the the more the media uh, focuses on this, the the more grotesque it becomes. Uh, that's why I like to get back to the Matt Gates uh, suppression of, of of the drag shows and yeah. Ellis. Uh, and I think that we we have to. And this is not because I have any prudish. Uh, uh, position on sexuality. But yeah. there is a dignity that a society has to maintain. When it loses that dignity within its culture, that society is in serious trouble. And I think that's that's exactly what we're looking at right now. All right, Andy, you need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University.
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be here. Let me just point a downside story. I, I always keep my television on uh, while we're on the air, news stories as they're breaking and so forth. I'm looking at Daniel Penny, the uh, the, uh, the ex-Marine or ex-soldier who uh, inadvertently uh, caused the death of Neely on the subways of New York, and he's being arraigned on second-degree murder charges. Now, perhaps I'm not understanding the legality of this thing, but second-degree murder suggests that he had the intent mm-hmm. to kill Neely that his purpose was to kill Neely. The difference, first degree, second degree, first degree is premeditated, second degree is the intent without premeditation. So I'm just, I'm just amazed at this misapplication of law. I, I hope they are over, certainly they're overcharging from, from the get-go. He should, should be uh, defined as a hero, not as a, not as a criminal. So, uh, but these type of things really are contributing to uh, the uh, demise of this culture and the respect for the, for the legal system, Bob. I couldn't agree more, Andy. I'm happy you brought that up. It's an important distinction. And now, uh, speaking of the uh, Supreme Court, made some important de- uh, decisions this week and have a, have a couple of really important decisions coming up. What are your thoughts? Well, there, there are two decisions. One uh, is on the uh, prerogative of the state legislatures to control federal elections. Uh, the other is on, is on immigration. First, the, the issue of the, the state legislatures. Supreme Court recently ruled that the, that the state legislatures cannot uh, escape from state court uh, review of the positions taken. Now, one of the major bones of contention in the 2020 election was that the uh, state courts in several states had usurped what was seen as the prerogative uh, of the the state legislatures to do exactly that, to control the terms of the election. Now, the Supreme Court has ruled that this is not appropriate. In in other words, the state legislature is going to be uh, under the thumb, let's say, of the state courts. Now, if we if we just look at the constitutional uh, statement on that, uh, uh, Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1 of the Constitution, it says the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives, those are federal elections, shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress... The Congress made any time by law make or alter such regulations, except to the place of choosing senators. So the Constitution is clear that the state legislatures do have the absolute control of these elections unless, unless the federal Congress passes a law to change the circumstance of those elections. So when the, when the Supreme Court rules that the state courts have the prerogative of overruling the state legislatures, uh, it, to me, and perhaps there's something in, in law that I'm missing, but I've read fairly extensively on this, Bob, I see no legal uh, process that would allow for the ruling the Supreme Court took on this issue. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, my viewpoint, having looked at the uh, law, it seems to me that, that there's been no change as a result of this ruling. In other words, uh, we've always had the state uh, Supreme Court or state uh, courts looking at the gerrymandering, <clears throat> at the realignment of uh, districts in order to make sure <clears throat> that they are fair and represent uh, some degree of fairness. So I don't see a change here. And frankly, uh, you know, you've got to be careful what you wish for because, again, the Democrats could come back in power. And if they do, they end up gerrymandering and making it impossible for Republicans to win elections. So I'm not so sure this is uh, bad, but I certainly understand that uh, the conservatives have reacted, reacted uh, very harshly against the ruling. We, we could debate whether, whether it's fair or not, but what we do know is that when you have elected officials in a state legislature that are constitutionally not only authorized but required to establish the terms of federal elections yeah. and the courts of that state, non-elected in most cases, uh, can overrule that at whim, essentially, at whim, at whim, 
uh, then I think there's something inherently wrong with that. So if I'm just talking entirely about a violation of the Constitution, uh, I could rest my case on that. Right. I understand your point, though, Bob. I think it's a valid point, but I do not think that this ruling is going to interfere with the Democrat gerrymandering as it takes place. So I think this is we're looking at uh, primarily an attack on Republican states or a, a resistance to Republican states. I do not think we'll see this applied uh, equally when it comes to de- Democrat uh, gerrymandering in their states, Bob. Uh, one other a point to that, then, again, we have the majority of the legislatures are uh, conservative right now. That means, uh, it, and uh, also a majority of governors, that means that the uh, uh, the officials, the uh, uh, legislatures are pretty much uh, appointed by conservative people, probably leading to conservative appointments. I guess my point is there is some degree of protection. There are states like Michigan and, and others. I mean, they're just out of hand. <laughs> they're going to do what they're going to do, and you can't rein them in right now until, and unless, and of course, we get some uh, conservative officials elected. But uh, uh, I think that's in a minority. It, it certainly may be, but again, when I have looked, look back to the 2020 election and I can see how uh, when um, these state courts have have made, I think, uh, certainly inappropriate rulings to interfere with the state legislature for no other purpose than political gain, uh, then I'm I'm very concerned about this. As I said, my case can be arrested entirely on the, what I see as the violation of constitutionality. Uh, On the other hand, I think there is a, uh, there's something to be said for the elected officials uh, controlling these, uh, these election processes as the, as the founding fathers obviously intended. So I, I accept your point as having validity. Uh, on the other hand, I still find myself uh, on the side of thinking they made the wrong ruling in this particular case. Uh, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough, Andy. How about the other case? The other case is one that reminds me somewhat of uh, Jan Brewer when she was uh, governor of Arizona and uh, <clears throat> she had. Uh, used Arizona uh, legal officials to uh, to enforce federal law. And, of course, Obama uh, rejected that and prevented her from doing so. This case is, is very similar that I'm talking about. Uh, this basically, uh, basically suggests uh, that the um, – um, let me put this in a – that the states – let me put this this way. The states lack standing to challenge the failure to enforce – federal law mm-hmm. that has been taking place within the Biden administration. Uh, in other words, uh, Mayorkas has uh, essentially decided with uh, no legal precedent to enforce certain laws and, and, uh, and ignore others. The states that challenge, primarily Texas and Louisiana, have suggested that he has no right to selectively enforce these laws and that the arrests and deportations uh, must go ahead based on the existence of federal law. What the Supreme Court has said is that the, uh, the states have no standing, uh, that merely financial uh, loss or, or, or pain as experienced from it is not cognizable by the court. Now, yeah. cognizable legally has two definitions. One cut is the obvious, which is uh, it is not an identifiable harm. The other is perhaps the more legal uh, definition, which is not, it is not within the jurisdiction of the court to recognize a claim. So here we're looking at a circumstance where the states are requesting that the government enforce its own laws, very similar to what Jan Brewer did in 2010, and the Supreme Court is saying they have no standing to even move in those directions, and they have rejected their claim of damage based on financial loss. Uh, Now, to me, this I think it's an inappropriate ruling. I don't find it as significant in its uh, lack of constitutionality as I did in the first case. But I also find this one to be uh, just not based appropriately on prior precedent, Bob. So interesting, Andy. Well, uh, again, would you can just see Mayorkas is totally out of control. Would you delay to think the Supreme Court could say something uh, about that and, uh, and not enforcing the law? I agree with you on that. Andy, again, need to take another break. Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Finish what you started with a Hodge University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, uh, preparing elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. So important. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be here, Bob. So I understand that you've got some uh, enduring concerns about uh, the Durham testimony. Maybe you could tell us about it. I, I personally don't have any major laments about Durham, but I do think there are some uh, strong challenges that needed to be offered. And <clears throat> I think they were offered by several of the representatives during, uh, during his testimony. The first was some significant challenges by the uh, representative from Wyoming, uh, Congresswoman Harriet Hagerman. Uh, and she, in fact, challenged that, uh, in fact, the FBI had absolutely no interest in the reality of whether it was collusion. She goes through a whole series of statements, indicated they really didn't care about this, or they didn't care about this, not in reality. This was entirely a design process to merely get uh, Donald Trump and to defend or to uh, dodge the bullet that was being aimed at the, the crimes of Hillary Clinton. And, and she asked, essentially, uh, why, in fact, these type of investigations were not launched. She goes on to make statements that uh, <clears throat> the actions taken by the FBI and the Department of Justice uh, were a serious blow to the very foundations of the country. And she concludes uh, with this question, uh, rhetorical to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to Durham, Mr. Durham, here is my question. How long do you think that this country will survive with a two-tiered justice system that seeks to persecute people based on their political beliefs? So I found <clears throat> those challenges were, were appropriate, they were accurate, and they were necessary. Uh, so again, I, I have no major lament with Durham, but sometimes we have to look at what didn't happen uh, as well as what did happen in terms of, of, of Durham's uh, testimony. Uh, but let me stop there. Well, I want to talk about two other congressmen, but let me get your thoughts. Uh, well, I, I'd be really curious about his response to her question. Um, Do you recall? I, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately uh, I don't I don't have that. I that's have that's it. That. Well, that's okay, Andy. Correct, you, you'd like to think that. though that he say not long, or of course he's probably going to defend uh, the Justice Department. But uh, I'm sure, he probably danced around it a little bit. But nevertheless, she made a great point with her. The question was far more important than his than his answer. Yeah, I, I think that in, in most <clears> cases, uh, what uh, <throat> where Durham. 
uh, found safety, uh, a safety highland to, to, uh, to land on, uh, was by saying it was not in the, uh, in the purview of his process to, uh, to move in certain yeah. directions. And so uh, my guess would be that that was the, uh, the, the content of his answer. No, I'm quite, I'm quite certain here. Uh, now, you have Representative Massey, uh, who also goes on to, uh, to challenge Durham about what he didn't do or wasn't able to do. He, he talks about the identification of, of Papadopoulos uh, in terms of being mentioned 89 times in the, in the Mueller report, uh, but the person that was identified as being the person who provided him with the information, uh, Joseph Musud, was not interviewed. Now, Durham suggested he was not able to contact Musud. They pursued uh, trying to access him through his lawyer, through as many channels as they could, but Gates persisted and basically said, um, Massey persisted and essentially said, uh, look, the, the, when you, you want to find somebody, you find him. And this was a critical missing component uh, yeah. from what, from what Durham, uh, Durham had eventually uh, established. So again, I think that was a, a serious challenge uh, that, that needed to be uh, really brought to the public's mindset, that there were people that should have been investigated uh, that, that were not. I have to agree. I, to me, it was so disappointing to hear him to say, well, I gave him a call, but they didn't return my call. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much that was that we extent of it. Uh, now, Matt Gates picked up the, the same <clears throat> challenge that, uh, that Massey had offered, um, so I think that was significant. Um, I, and Gates concluded with a, uh, a comment. Let me see if this works here. I extracted some comments. Uh, speaking to Durham, he said, yeah, so we're disappointed, too. But the difference is when regular folks do things that are wrong and unlawful, there's typically greater effort to try to get those people before a grand jury to utilize criminal process where appropriate, not, not for other purposes. So what Gates is essentially saying is if the same actions in any form had been committed by regular people as committed by the FBI and the Department of Justice, yes, they would have made every effort to research and document their case right. and bring them, indict them and bring them before a court of law. Bob. Absolutely. And it was great points. And, uh, that is a disappointment. You know, I, he was promoted as being, boy, he's the guy, he's tough, he's smart, he's t tenacious. Uh, that's how uh, uh, Durham was promoted uh, during at the beginning of this whole process. And now, years later, he sounded like he kind of wimped out. Yeah, I mean, it certainly it was that. It was a uh, somewhat of a, in my estimation, somewhat of a uh, mirror image of what uh, Comey did in terms of uh, fully documenting the criminality of Hillary Clinton and saying nobody would possibly, no, no district attorney could possibly prosecute or would prosecute uh, Hillary Clinton for these offenses. Just obviously absurd. You know, at that point, dozens, if not hundreds, of DAs were uh, nationwide indicated certainly they would have prosecuted her. Yeah. And I think we're, we're looking at the same situation here. Uh, and Americans are becoming re rather uh, fed up with this. The, uh, the 11 our testimony of, of Hillary Clinton for Benghazi under, under Trey Gowdy's uh, commentary or, or questioning, and yet it led to nothing. So we have too many of these circumstances with, with essentially full documentation leading leading nowhere. And I think pretty much the American people are getting fed up with it at, by as they should, as they should. I couldn't agree more, Andy. Again, we need to take a break. Can you stick around? I'll be here. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 
Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Luke Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Luke Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. That uh, Blue Provence commercial reminded me that not only a terrific restaurant, but also has a great purveyor of wines. In fact, Wine Spectator listed for, I think it's the seventh straight year, maybe eighth straight year. Uh, Blue Provence is the, one of the top 100 wine purveyors in the world, if you can believe that. It's just outstanding. So, uh, when you go to Provence, stop by the wine store and just take a look at what they're doing there as well. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josefa Savaz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. Well, we've had a lot going on around the world, and one of the things that's happened is this faux attack by the Wagner Group against, uh, against uh, Putin and Russia. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I found it... Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> reprehensible that so many people were rooting uh, for Bogosian to uh, to win this thing, to overthrow Putin. Uh, they had no idea, in my estimation, who this uh, who this head of the Wagner Group was. A right. uh, case can be made that almost all of the what is considered what are considered uh, war atrocities in Ukraine have been committed by the Wagner Group. I mean, they have been violent. They have they have slaughtered people in many cases indiscriminately. So when you have uh, the Wagner Group uh, marching towards uh, towards Moscow and people are rooting for him to overthrow uh, Putin, I think sometimes you you have to go with the with the devil you know. Uh, and I think in this case, uh, Prigozhin would have been a uh, a far more dangerous uh, person in Moscow yeah. uh, than is than is Putin himself. So Great point. there are other things that probably have to be found out about this. Uh, some of the uh, conspiratorial rumors are that the the CIA prompted it and funded it. In other words, they're a, a mercenary group, which certainly implies that they're uh, they're available to be bought. Now, I have no proof of that, but that are, that that's some of the conspiratorial talk about this. Uh, Pagosian has been exiled. I, I don't know what kind of an exile it is to go to to Belarus and Minsk. Uh, certainly, that is considered essentially part of Russia. Uh, normally, this would be a death sentence for Pogrosin, but uh, uh, he has been let off the hook. So there are some un, uh, unknown elements to this, obviously, that uh, may come out or may not come out. But I do think the thing that must be recognized is that uh, Pogrosin would have been a far more dangerous man uh, in the Kremlin than is, than is Putin. I think that's a great point. And by the way, my thought, and I'm opining here with very little evidence, but I really believe that he's a dead man anyhow. He's going to end up being assassinated uh, for his uh, misdeeds and for what he's done uh, by the Russians and by Putin, in my opinion. So going to Belarus is not going to get him off the hook. Well, if in fact uh, his actions are exactly as they've been presented, a a, a coup, an attempt to uh, overthrow uh, the the legal uh, leader of the, the of Russia, then I think uh, certainly death would be would be appropriate. Now, yeah. uh, I think we can always say that there should be a court trial and, and evidence and all of those things, and I agree with that. Uh, on the other hand, that is not the history of Russia uh, or the Soviet Union when it was in power. Uh, so yeah, I mean there is a good chance that this man may may accidentally eat eat a bad piece of uh, a, a fish, Bob, or a step off the roof, or. <laughs> 
can't take no, a bullet no, in a window. Have to be able to know how they are. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it's been so interesting because, uh, but you make such an important point, which is the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Uh, I don't. This, you know, you think about a stranger coming in and taking over, for example, nuclear warheads and all kinds. Of, that you know, the possibilities are just endless in terms of the harm that could be created, the unintended consequences of having a new leader in Russia. Oh, the last thing you want is uh, thousands of nuclear warheads in the hands of, of anyone like Prigozhin. I mean, he is, uh, I think he's unstable. I think he's a psychopath. He has uh, been called the, uh, the sledgehammer, I think, because uh, of the use of the sledgehammer as a means of, of killing people. So yeah, I don't want to go into too many graphic details, but this is a, a barbarian, a modern barbarian, certainly. Uh, I think perhaps uh, more importantly, although that is important, uh, but a book was recently published by uh, Colonel Jacques Baud of the Swiss intelligence, uh, Swiss intelligence officer called Operation Z, The Hidden Truth About the War in Ukraine. Now, again, he fully documents his case. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it is absolutely uh, the only truth, but uh -huh. I think it is a truth, uh, certainly, that must be, uh, be added to the mix. His basic point is that the EU saw, the, uh, saw Putin as, and, and Russia as an enemy of the West. Uh, in so doing, they they demanded that the Ukraine stop trading with Russia. This is uh, prior to 2014, but they must enter into trades with the European Union. Uh, they then essentially um, demanded that the uh, not demanded but created a coup that removed the the pro-Russian government from Kiev uh, in 2014. Uh, and, and essentially, he's, he's laying the case that these type of actions, which eventually also could uh, be uh, added into the uh, placement of, of missiles by Obama in uh, Romania and in Poland in 2016. So his overall point is that there was an obvious hostility towards Russia being displayed, uh, actively uh, displayed and pursued uh, by the West, uh, as it pertains to actions of Russia, uh, certainly uh, far prior to uh, to the to the incursion of Russia uh, into Ukraine, uh, Bard also makes the point that there were two times since the the advent of this invasion of Ukraine where Zelensky wanted to seek a negotiated peace, and in both of those circumstances, he was stopped from doing this by intercessions uh, of Europe and by the United States. Um, uh, Boris Johnson uh, directly asked, uh, when he was Prime Minister of, of England, directly asked uh, Zelensky to withdraw his negotiated peace proposal. So here you have a circumstance well documented where Zelensky, early on in this process, wanted a negotiated settlement. It would have enabled uh, Ukraine to retain the, the, the vast majority of its contiguous territory, and yet the West suppressed those peace terms. I think uh, the point can be made reasonably without necessarily uh, being absolutely documented that the West certainly wanted war action uh, to be created between Ukraine uh, as a surrogate for the West against against Russia. Bob. Well, I think that's absolutely true. And by the way, uh, this binary choice <coughs> of uh Putin versus uh, Zelensky, I mean, I, I understand we put a black hat on Putin and certainly had no business, I'm sure he did have, he has an explanation, but he should not have invaded uh, Ukraine. On the other hand, I don't see, see think that we should be putting a white hat on Zelensky. You know, it comes from a very corrupt part of the world, comes in a very corrupt government. And uh, he, quite frankly, I suspect that there's a lot of money laundering going on, all kinds of shenanigans that uh, suggest that uh, he's not very trustworthy in, in his own right. Well, getting back to the possible uh, uh, bribing of uh, <clears throat> Zegan to uh, to go into uh, his coup mode, uh, there are twenty five billion dollars missing within the uh, the monies allocated to to Ukraine. So, I mean, the, the money exists to have to have done that. Uh, I think that the recently uh, RFK Jr. Uh, indicated essentially that without fully 
defending the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. He essentially said, look, would the United States tolerate uh, having a, an armed enemy on our border, as would be established if, if Ukraine was to go into NATO? Now, we, we may want to dismiss that out of hand, uh, but certainly we can look at our, our outrage being displayed with the, uh, the, the Chinese spy stations in Cuba. Uh, but if you talk about a contiguous border, yeah. Uh, with uh, Ukraine and Russia, almost a thousand miles. Uh, certainly, that would be a legitimate point of concern, considering the prior uh, European Union and American hostility towards Russia. I must say, Andy, this has been such an entertaining and informative uh, discussion. Really appreciate your preparation and coming on the show to talk about these important issues. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we've got great guests lined up. I hope you'll tune in. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you'll uh, mention it to your friends and let them know uh, to listen to the Bob Harden Show, at, uh, the way to support our advertisers. And we couldn't do the show uh, without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>